Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. And if you know me, you know I love the 20s era. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love drama and thrills, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? You can chat and play with or against others by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You guys, welcome to another pop culture episode of Beyond the Blinds. It is me, Troy McKeady. And Kelly Williams. And I honestly, I can't imagine what there is to talk about this week. I know that there's like some books that have come out or something allegedly. Um, yeah, we're just sort of here. We're going to just going to figure it out as we go along. I know. I think we both finally finished the same book. So we'll be able to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> finally finished the book. I have eight copies of it sitting next to me (laughs) (laughs) i bought it in every way that you could several times um yes happy to have slid a coin across to the queen and just a reminder our new york show still tickets if you're listening and you're like sitting in your couch or whatever and you're like should i go tonight yeah you should because there are still tickets left, uh, still tickets left for our Boston show. And we're just really excited about all that. But I think we should start with some reader blinds. Yeah. So we have our first luxury hotel worker blind. And just a reminder, these are all alleged. We cannot verify if they are true or false. But Nicki Minaj has Bath and Body Works Sweet Pea hand sanitizer on her rider. They discontinued Sweet Pea, so now places she's at either have to scramble or have to make a very unfortunate phone call. Who knew Nikki was a Sweet Pea girl? As someone who worked at Bath and Body Works, I will say, in my store at least, all the girls hated Sweet Pea. Because it was so popular? Yeah, like just the smell of it. I never got with it. It was a little too, little too much for me, but I'm glad it's not too much for Nicki Minaj. They also said she's been banned from five luxury hotels in New York. Could not confirm that. They didn't give us which hotels. But, you know, maybe. I could I could see that for Nicki Minaj having some, some issues with hotels. For whatever reason, I kind of love that she... Like, if I was, like, an annoying celebrity that wanted really weird things on my writer, like, it would be things like that. Like, I kind of love that she so unapologetically loves sweet pea. Like, I don't know. Mine would be like warm vanilla sugar, but I get it. I was going to ask, if you had like a rider the way Nicki Minaj would, or I remember like Mariah Carey wanted like a room full of puppies or something. Yeah. What would you have that would be super outlandish? 
something outlandish. I'm trying to think of what I would even desire that would be like crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know if I have anything. I would just want simple things. Like even when we do our live shows, like I always just want the, I want cough drops, which is no surprise to anyone, probably except the people getting them because they're like, that's weird. And like, I don't know, like some orange juice. And, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What would yours be? I don't know. Cause we pretty much do the same thing. One time we did ask for like snacks to see if we, mm-hmm. we didn't even open them. Like I brought no. a bag of pretzels home with me. Cause I was like, uh, I'll bring this, whatever. <laughs> I know we're like like well we overcorrect almost to the point that it's annoying because then they'll get us stuff and we don't touch it and it's like you're not being rude by having it but it's like you know you know how it is (laughs) I think all I'd want is like a eucalyptus candle I love eucalyptus and that's probably the only thing that I would really want that would make someone go out of their way yeah maybe like um I, I I literally can't think of anything I'm like even looking around at things. I'm like, what would I want that's outlandish? I literally just want orange juice and cough drops. I'm 85 years old. I want a baby monkey to pet right before I go on stage. (laughs) I'm like a little piglet. (laughs) Okay. And this is another blind. It looks like this is about Mr. Aaron Rodgers, who is a friend of the pod. Uh, Aaron Rodgers used to go to the church I went to as a girl for like Easter and such. A lot of Packers players go to the church, so it wasn't uncommon to see them and their families. Anyway, he would basically then demand for a separate area to sit at to prevent people from interacting with him. They still would though. Women would hit on him constantly slash freak out, but he gave more attention to the men than anything. It wasn't him hitting on them per se, but he talked to them far more than the women. No one ever really thought anything of it because he was dating Olivia Munn, but now, knowing the blinds, it is def- it definitely sheds a light on it. For stark contrast, Donald Driver has been at that church, and he just sit amongst everyone else and quietly worship, then pick up his kiddos from the children's area, and was super nice and personable. It's definitely an Aaron thing, not a Packers thing. I kind of see, like, both sides of that. Like, him wanting to not be bothered, but also because he did that, like being like everyone's looking at me totally like it just makes it more of a thing just coming late and sit in the back yeah no need to have a section you don't need a vip roped off section of a church it's not that deep like just go sit down really that's the gayest blind we've read about him (laughs) literally (laughs) and this is the final blind um the person said take this as you will So today in my small town, a suburb of Chicago, about an hour and a half away, Rachel Levis was spotted grabbing a coffee and then David Portnoy did his pizza review thing. Very suspicious that two celebs would be there the same day when there are never any celebrities in Cary, Illinois. They weren't together, but very weird that they were in the same town on the same day. That's interesting. Is she going to join Barstool or something? Oh, God. I mean, I guess I could see that. I guess that would not be shocking. I could see Dave or someone in the Barstool world, like, interviewing her. <laughs> Is she going to do a pizza, th- the pizza thing? She'd be like, mm, <laughs> with her blank stare. <laughs> this one was good, but not my favorite. It would take, like, 40 <laughs> minutes to get through it. 
He'd be like, no, no, no. It's one bite. You know, you know the rules. Take a bite. Just take one bite, Raquel. She's like, I've never had Pizza <laughs> Hut before. <laughs> Could you imagine if we have some sort of weird insight that she's joining Barstool or like partnering? I could see her on like, I really love Chicks in the Office. I know some people don't love um, Fran and Rhea, but I'm a big fan. And I think they would actually do a really good job interviewing her. Has there ever been any update on her podcast? Oh, I don't even think so. I know. Yeah, I guess that would make it would make sense to me. Like it wouldn't be so far off, I guess, for her to do something like that. It's just random. Maybe they're fucking. We don't know though. We can't say Dave Portnoy <laughs> is fucking Raquel and let someone who likes bar school hear this. Actually, I think Dave would res- may respect what we do because we show our faces. Yes, that's very true. Not that I need his like stamp of approval, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, before we get into any like teen mom gossip or anything like that, Troy, I watched Scream for the first time in my life over this past weekend. I forgot to follow up. What did you think? Honestly, I wish people told me it was a great movie. I mean, nobody ever talks about how great it is or anything. <laughs> never hear anything about it, really. I've never even met someone who loves it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good and it was funny and it was like just suspenseful enough because I don't do well with scary movies. That's kind of why I've always pushed it off. But um, way funnier than I thought it would be. I thought the writing was incredible. Yeah. Especially, spoiler alerts, if anyone hasn't seen it. The way the end is with like, um, what's his name? Jamie Kennedy? Mm-hmm. With Jamie Kennedy. And he's like, thank God I was a virgin. I was like, holy shit. And they just did that whole like play per play thing. Yeah. And at the very end, when Sydney has the mask and rips it off, I was, I felt like powerful in that moment. <laughs> she has that effect. Incredible. And I understand your love for Scream much more now than I did before. Oh, sweet. Well, now you got to watch all the Screams. I know. I, the only other one I've seen is the Hayden and Emma Roberts one. Cause of course that's the one I would watch. Yeah. Scream is cool because like, now that you've seen the first one you'll see like like I've never really seen like a a a final girl be able to have like the kind of journey that Sydney's had like she always gets stronger smarter tougher like and it makes sense like the way she fights back doesn't feel even in the first one like she kind of does stuff that I feel like a normal person would do it's not like she's not you know some like bodybuilder crazy whatever She's just like a normal girl who like is tough. Mm-hmm. And I always really like that. And also like the Drew scene of that movie is like one of the best scenes in history. So incredible. And like, this is going to sound like triggering as fuck. And I know what I'm about to say. Honestly, maybe I'll edit it out if you tell me it's too much. Oh, okay. But I feel like the two killers in that movie gave such like 90s cool shooter vibes that they tried to like, I don't. I know that sounds terrible, but that's like what I would think in kind of like why they committed those crimes type of thing. Oh, I one thousand percent think that they kind of fit into that category. And like, ironically, there were a few school shooter type people that tried to be them and like tried to do what they do and scream and make their own version of it and whatever. Like, they really do give that vibe. They also, I'm curious as somebody who's like seeing it for the first time. Like, a lot of people believe that there's a lot of, like, ten- like gay tension between 
Billy and Stu and like they're like clearly in love with each other in like some weird way like even at the end when they're like talking in each other's ear and they're like all over each other and they're like dating so I would definitely say like Billy was giving very gay Mm -hmm. um I don't know so much about Stu Stu just seemed like he was excited to have like a buddy to that would listen to him and do whatever he said it was yeah. more about power and control where Billy was coming from like a place of love and admiration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, um, a lot of people consider Scream to be like a queer film because of them. And like, even last night they were showing it at the Alamo draft house and they put it in their queer film theory. Oh, um, a lot of people think that Scream is a gay film. I mean, I wouldn't argue that. Like if someone was like, well, I think I'd be like, no, for sure. Like, I'm not yeah. gonna, it is a gay for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and Jamie Kennedy even calls it. Like, he kind of makes fun of them at, at the video store for, like, they're in love with each other. I think in the second one, he calls them homo-repressed. Like, it's kind of, like, written into it, but not. Yeah. But, but yeah. That's exciting. I can't wait for you to watch Scream 2. It's my favorite one. And personally. watching it just reminded me how much I used to love Rose McGowan. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> God. She's so magnetic. So good. So, so good. Funny. The way she delivers the lines is just like, she's so sexy and cool and just everything, you know? And because I have an older brother, obviously I watched like the scary movies on repeat when yeah. they came out. And it was cool seeing the parallels between the movies. That mm-hmm. was really fun. That's so fun. <laughs> well, now when I say cut it, Casper, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> But yeah, a lot of teen mom drama has happened since yeah, what is going on since we last met. Um, so Kale Lowry finally said she's pregnant with twins, so that'll be seven children for her. And you know, at first when I heard that, I'm like, that's fucking crazy because the idea of one kid is a lot, right? But she seems to be a really great mom, so I don't think I can judge her for this. Yeah, and I was telling you earlier that she's somebody who just, in my mind, like, she has that Lindsay Lohan disorder where, like, if her life isn't chaos, she'll find a way to make it chaotic. Mm-hmm. And it's almost in the cards for her to have a bunch of kids and constantly be in a spiral about something, like, annoyed about something, stressed out about something. Like, it, you know, it's always got to be something with her. Like, I feel like she doesn't like having, like, a chill life I could see that especially because she grew up in such chaos but yeah like is it crazy she has seven kids for me yes but for her she is such a good mom so like and rich she's rich she makes money off that fucking podcast yeah that's why she left teen mom she was like I get paid more money on my (laughs) podcast than MTV pays me right and on my podcast I don't have to like show my vagina and like literally (laughs) like you know, I mean, I'm I'm happy for her. I'm I've always rooted for her, and yeah, I I agree with you. I think that she's a good mom. Yeah. So, so that's the kale update. Now we have the whale Janelle. Yeah, <laughs> what we really want. I just want you to know, Troy, that she strolled into court ten minutes late and then put up a TikTok about it. I can't wait for your reaction. She said she did that so she wouldn't have a Britney moment and be struck with a bunch of paparazzi. (laughs) Her exact words. Yeah, I cannot. You know that she sat on the phone with like a publicist and was like, 
I feel like I should mention the Britney thing just because we're so aligned. And they're like, if you want. <laughs> like her talking about Kesha. <laughs> Literally. I can't. Oh, my God. So is she... What's ha- is she arrested yet? What's going on with her? No, so there, I believe there's a warrant out for David's arrest. He hasn't been arrested yet. Allegedly, trigger warning. Allegedly, he had Jason a chokehold. Mm. Like he didn't. I mean, anyway, it's physical abuse, but he didn't like punch Jace. He actually had him in like a chokehold from behind, trying to choke him out, and that's oh. what allegedly the neighbor's ring camera picked up and cps and the police both have the ring camera footage and just so you all know if you want like minute to minute up-to-date information check out ashley's reality roundup i cannot recommend her enough she's always like boots on the ground um jace is still with barbara janelle's like gave up again whatever and right now david and janelle are broken up Because it's come out that David has been texting his ex and like sending her photos of Janelle in his bedroom calling Janelle filthy and dirty. And the pictures are just clothes on the ground and only enough space for you to like walk through. Um, So they're no longer following each other. (laughs) They're breaking up or I'm sure they'll be back together in a week or two. But um, so, yeah, so that's the Janelle update. It's not looking great. That's like the one Janelle Cardinal sin. Like, it's like the only thing that could get her to break up with a guy is that. Right. Like, he fully allegedly put your son in a chokehold, and you're like, my man, my man, my man. <laughs> no, like, literally. And she's like, oh, but you're sexting someone. And it wasn't even sexting. It was David, like, bashing, talking shit about Janelle. I think wow. she would have actually been better with sexting. So he's like on the run. I don't know. I I will say I'm not sure where David is. I don't know if he's still on the land. I don't really know what's going on over there. But Janelle's also back to making her dancing TikToks. So that's exciting for everyone. Well, it's nice to know that all is right again. <laughs> God, and it's like scary not knowing. I feel like David is somebody I would rather people know where he is. I don't like him being like on the run and nobody... Uh, that's scary to me that's very scary to me on Halloween night like I don't like that (laughs) um well I wanted to talk about so we've talked about Vice's dark side of series Mm -hmm. and um they did the dark side of they've done the dark side of the 90s they did the dark side of the 2000s and they have a new one the dark side of comedy and it's about stand-ups and just like how crazy and I watched the Grace Butler one um so for anybody who doesn't remember Grace Butler used to have a show in the early 2000s late 90s called grace under fire and i it was like the peak of like comics getting sitcoms like ellen roseanne seinfeld cosby like it was like that time period and grace under fire was like a revelation for me i was obsessed with this woman she's like southern she's got a deep southern drawl and like you would think that she would, just based on how she talks and where she grew up, you would think that her comedy would be, like, blue-collar comedy shit, but she's super liberal. She was, like, out there fucking fighting for the gays in, like, the 90s in the South. Like, she is the real deal. She's so smart, so just, like, such an inspiration. Like, she was so inspirational to me. And 
her sitcom was about her being a single mom with no money and you know she would talk about like child support and like all these things that you would never hear in a sitcom i remember this show her and she talks like this her voice yeah. is real deep, and she's got a real southern drawl and it sounds like she's faking it but she's not and like she's just very her stand-up is great um but they did the dark side of her life and it was one of the saddest i really really advise anybody interested in like comedy or any any like kind of fall from gray stuff her life was just horrifically sad and she's just one of those talented smart people who was like not cut out for the bullshit side of Hollywood and she really got taken advantage of like had millions of dollars taken from her she spent millions of dollars on drugs just it was really really sad but um yeah watch it watch the dark side of comedy I'm like excited for the rest of them there's also the dark side of the ring um it's all about wrestling that's really good Mm -hmm. we stand vice in this house we do we love vice I guess we do have to talk about Matthew Perry. Yes. I don't know a ton about him personally, other than he had addiction issues. Mm. I do. I was, I watched friends. I was a big friends head. I loved Chandler and Monica and Phoebe. They were my favorite. And um, seeing him on like the reunion, I remember everyone was kind of like, is Matthew Perry okay? Mm -hmm. Like he just seemed very off and, What's so crazy is he might, he obviously has multiple homes, right? Right. So he posted on Instagram a picture of him in a jacuzzi, but it's not the jacuzzi he passed away in. That house was rented out for a Halloween party. So my friend's sister had to still go to Matthew Perry's house, one of them, and they hosted the party even though Matthew Perry died at his other house. Ooh, eek. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Were they all just staring at that picture? Or not the picture, but the pool? Like, that's really eerie and weird. Yeah, so just to clarify, like, that is not the pool he died in, but it's, like, the pool from his last Instagram post. Yeah, and everybody's associating it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that, when she told me that, I was like, they didn't cancel the party. Oh, God. Yeah, his death made me very... It made me really sad because it's 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 almost like he's I don't know how to say this without sounding really morbid, but like all we've been told for years is that he suffers from addiction issues and that he has this extreme depression and he's so the opposite of Chandler Bing. And you just kind of have this idea that like he's the really like tortured one of the group. And then, like you said, when you see him, it's like it, it always kind of felt that way, like mm-hmm. It, like confirmed it so like for him to be the one that died it's just like conf- it almost feels like it confirms all of that in a sick way even though i know that they're saying like the toxicology report is saying like he wasn't he didn't have anything in his system he was sober um it still feels tied to that no matter what and like everybody on the internet is making those comparisons and talking about his addiction and stuff but it's just like really sad it's it's horrible and I feel like now watching that show feels different like I saw somebody the other day post the last episode on TikTok and they were they they posted the the scene of like Jennifer Aniston saying goodbye to him and she was like crying and it just like oh it was just hit really hard like I was crying so much looking at TikTok last night 
And of course, in New York, like there's a memorial now outside the um, apartment in the West Village. And, you know, there's just like flowers everywhere and like signs and stuff. And it's just horrible. It's just so sad. And so many people connected to those Friends characters so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just another one of those, like, it's a show you grew up with, right? And it's still on all the time. And people still talk about Friends like it's still on. And I don't know. I guess after the reunion and kind of seeing the state that Matthew Perry was in, it just makes it even more sad. And I don't know if you saw Lisa Kudrow is going to adopt his dog. No, I didn't. No, I didn't see that. Oh, my God. And it's so heartbreaking that people were like, how come the cast hasn't made a statement yet? How come the cast? It's like they just lost someone who's been in their lives for like 30 years. Give them more than a day. And also people who do that, like people who were like, so-and-so hasn't said anything. Where's so-and-so statement? It's like, are you really waiting with bated breath for a fucking publicist written two paragraph statement? Like, does it really mean so much to you that these celebrities have someone write a statement for them? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it's like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a weird thing to be angry at celebrities who don't immediately make some perfectly put public statement about a friend's death right they're grieving and i thought it was so gross that uh tmz posted like paparazzi photos of his parents pulling up to the house like that really i don't know this one obviously there have been a ton of celebrity deaths this year but this one's like hitting a bit different and to add insult to injury tmz is also like live updating every single moment it's like autopsy done nothing to report yet like it's been confirmed that the autopsy is now it's like what are you even reporting if you just keep saying that nothing's been updated right and then like posting pictures of his last outing you guys know what the fuck you're doing posting those pictures god tmz is so sleazy they waste sucks is they're always on top of their shit that's what makes it even worse it does make it worse that they're like always right too. Mm-hmm. Fuckers, fucking Harvey. God, I will see you in hell. <laughs> so unexpectedly, or maybe expectedly, I don't know. I guess it depends on where you fall. Lance Bass has asked, has asked people to um, forgive Justin and to give him grace and to not be so hard on him. And to that, I say, cry me a river. Pun intended are you fucking kidding me it's a little soon for people for anybody to be asking for grace like the book just happened and it's not even like britney is the only this is the thing does it suck that justin timberlake was able to basically live out the last 15 years living his like playboy dream like yeah it does suck that's our fault that we didn't like hold him accountable when the time was right and and it's our fault as a society that we saw men like him as charming even though he was like a complete fucking sleazeball like we're more I feel like we're more angry at ourselves than we are him I I will say that there's no hate comment or like death threat that you can send him at this point that will make him truly feel bad that he dismantled just or uh, Janet Jackson's career 
I know that it, it makes us feel good, but like, it, it's true. It's kind of, to me, it's just a waste of time. I'm just like, his career sucks. Everything he tries to release now flops. Like, I don't feel like I need to send Justin Timberlake a death threat considering the state of his career. I totally agree with you. And also Lance Bass, you were one of the people like leading the charge about low-key hating Justin. Like right. he used to always say little things and, you know, Lance had no problem being like, I'm Britney's distant cousin. Britney's surrounded by great people. Like he said, right. Britney is surrounded by people who love her and are great. So that should be all you need to know <laughs> about how much he truly cares about Britney. He just loves a headline. He loves to be in association with this even if it's like 12 degrees separated just like when he was giving all those exclusives about like you know the Vegas wedding and like how he was involved and I was the one she cried to and blah 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 like that's odd that she didn't even bother to mention you in her book when she talked about that <laughs> it, even though the past few years you would think that he was like the only person there to console her after so Lance can fuck off please are you kidding me even though i will say it probably makes him feel really good to be the one that justin had to like ask to do that true you know this is an ego thing for sure that <laughs> i have to give kim kardashian some credit and that's not something i do often when i saw that skims was now the official underwear partner for the nba wnba that is like a boss ass move and there's no I, other way to put it. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think that it's obvious that she's been trying to align skims with like high-end, like high-end brands so that we associate it as like a high-end expensive brand, even though it literally is the same shit that you can get on Amazon for the it's the exact same like material. Like it's identical to something that already exists. But I think she's done a good job of it. Like she did the Fendi collab and now this it just feels like yeah we're giving her exactly what she wants which is for this to be seen as like a prestige brand yeah and it's funny I was reading some comments and everyone was like Fenty was right there why did you pick skims and I don't own skims my girlfriend does and loves them so I'm assuming the quality is great and it's movable and breathable and yeah I just I think it's pretty badass to have like an athlete men's skims line and then be like, by the way, we're also the sponsors. Like, that's cool. I think it's cool too. I really do. I thought it was cool even when Ralph Lauren was like the designer for the Olympics. Like that stuff like that I love. And mm -hmm. I could totally see Kim at some point wanting to be, you know, the Olympian official, you know, having skims on everybody's shit at the Olympics. Like, I could see it now. True, true, yeah. So before we talk Britney, um, I need, I saw James Kennedy DJ last week, and it was something. So I looked at the capacity for the venue because it said sold out, and I was like, what are we getting ourselves into? Is it going to be, you know, like 400 people? Like what kind of crowd? A 250 max capacity, which, you know, respectable. Right. Sure. But it started at 1130. So I was a little tired, a little tired. The little energy he brought onto the stage. Like I really thought when James Kennedy got on stage, he'd be like, let's fucking go and just play yeah. like great music. And 
you know, open with the Vanderpump's theme song and do all this stuff. No, it, we were there for about 40 minutes and ended up leaving because we were just like, so he's saying feeling you and it just was terrible. You could barely hear him. And then he'd play music for like 40, 45 seconds to a minute then be like, let's go DC. And then just keep going. Then just be, let's go DC. And then he'd be like, <laughs> and then he'd be like, Puntini, Puntini, Tini, Puntini. And I'm like, okay. Like, I all get- my catchphrases. Right? I'm like, I get it. I get that Puntini's your thing, but like, you think you would like switch it up a little. It was just so bad. And it was also an 18 plus club, which I thought was an interesting vibe. No. Well, yeah. you would also think that given like the way he talks about it being like his dream come true or whatever, that he would be like more into it or whatever. <laughs> right. Like I saw Polly D way back in the day, like first season Jersey Shore. And the energy Polly D has compared to James Kennedy, day and night. Well, especially for someone who's had to fight their fight back for their job so many times. He's almost lost it so many times. Mm-hmm. Um it's just that's hilarious to me how did he look I mean he looked fine he looked really like small in person I couldn't Mm -hmm. like tell how tall he was or anything but he just looked like small I don't know how else to describe it but yeah it just I don't know what it was it just wasn't good how much was it um I don't know like 40 bucks I think okay 40 bucks too many right yeah, I mean, the, but the DJ before him was great. Like, we had a lot of fun listening to the DJ before him. He played, like, Spice Girls and Fergie and, like, great music. And then, I don't know what James was playing. Yeah, I was also going to say, even his good nights, when you see the music that he plays, it's, like, aside from whatever remix of Raise Your Glass, <laughs> uh, I, it's just not, like, I, I don't know. Like, after the novelty wears off of hearing Lala sing feeling you I don't know if it's you know what I mean like ooh, it's not giving yeah it was I I mean maybe it was an off night I don't know what else to, maybe he didn't have any pasta that night I'm not sure <laughs> ain't nobody I mean I'm really so we've been getting a lot of messages about uh Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz being engaged and I have to be honest with you I didn't know that they were still together I'm shocked they're still together, or I was shocked, I should say. Then we did episodes on both of them. And I was mm-hmm. like, they're probably like the perfect match for each other. Yeah. And it's interesting because I remember like they got so much press when they started dating. And it was at the peak of like girls dating alt boys and or like girls turning their alt boyfriend into their perfect boyfriend or whatever, like the Courtney and Travis of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, literally as we're recording this there's another TMZ update Matthew Perry seemed in good spirits before death that is an update like shut the fuck up oh anyway <laughs> um, yeah I just remember people thinking like this is so fake and it's clearly to promote this movie mm-hmm. and like everybody made fun of them because they thought it was so fake and then they did the total opposite which was like kind of go like not totally public like they're they never really are out seen together and now they're fucking engaged i know i know and they're such a hot couple they are like oh my god that's a sex tape that i would pay 
my whole year's salary for. <laughs> I need to see it. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing to say. I do think they were hooking up on set. There's no yeah. doubt with like Zoe's divorce being announced on a random Friday night before a three-day weekend. Like, yeah. I do think that they wanted their relationship to start off a little bit quieter so the timelines could match up. Oh, okay, yeah. So they could be, like, more in control of it. hmm And then that's when they were kind of in your face now that they're like, okay, now we have our timeline of when we started dating, we can be quiet again. Right. Because they are they are shockingly quiet. But I guess Zoe is quiet. Like, mm. she's not really, like, a loud celebrity. I will say that it makes me really, really, this is, like, totally off topic, but it makes me really sad that she um did so many things to her face. I think everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want, but when you're born, like, lightning in a bottle, beautiful, and then you Instagram filter your face like that in real life, it's, like, really disheartening. I guess I've already spoken about Taylor, and people get mad at me when I talk about her too much and when I don't talk about her enough. So in her prologue of the 1989 Taylor version, she had a paragraph where it says, you know, All the guys I hung out with, people thought I was dating them. So surely people wouldn't sexualize me hanging out with girls. I summed it up. That's not the exact quote. And everyone is holding on to that second quote about her denying Gaylor. I'm like, what about the paragraph before it where she's like, all the men I was seeing with, I wasn't dating all of them. Not all my songs are written about them. I'm like, but let's focus on Gaylor. Honestly, maybe she shouldn't have made such fucking gay songs if she didn't want people to talk about it. (laughs) Um, I, I, I officially have decided this for myself that I'm no longer going to even comment on her (laughs) because what I realize is that she is not important enough in my life to like fight for the right to talk about her. And in my opinion, the actual definition of insanity is arguing with Taylor Swift fans about her. That's (laughs) one thing I, I refuse to do. Like, unless I'm at the point where I'm locked up in a psych ward and I'm in a straitjacket then we can argue about Taylor Swift. But until then, I'm really not the girl for that. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and just listen to 1989 re-release and let the girls argue. Man, it really is giving 1989 however many years ago when she released it. Because during that time, I was very uh, tailored out. Like I Mm -hmm. was, I loved her music still. I still went and saw her in, in concert And I just feel like that's happening again. And because it's happening again, people think I hate Taylor. And I'm like, that's not the truth. I'm just tired. I think we're all tired. And that's why we're fighting. Which you're allowed to have two conflicting opinions about somebody that you love. Like, people are wild. For sure. For sure. And I also think, you know, I sound crazy saying this, but I also think Taylor could literally kiss a woman on the mouth yeah put that paragraph out and then all the people who who would never believe that she could potentially be even bisexual would be like no i kiss all my girlfriends right on the mouth with tongue you don't right so i'm just gonna leave it there if she says she there was nothing between her and carly Kloss or her and diana agron or her and whatever but decided to leave all these little breadcrumby things all over the place that's her prerogative and i will never ever talk about it again I'm on the same page as you. 
Thank you. Bye, Taylor. Bye. <laughs> and now it's time for the ads. <laughs> now will be a good time to let you know that this week's episode is sponsored by Quince. I love high-end luxury goods as much as the next person, but my wallet is not on the same page. That was until I found Quince. Quince is my go-to place for luxury essentials at prices within reach. Quince creates timeless classics that will never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince capsule wardrobes must-haves like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50, washable silk tops and dresses, and flattering pants make putting together an outfit that much easier. The best part of all, Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. As I've mentioned to you guys before, I've been using Quince mostly to fill my apartment with like things, things that make my place feel more personal. Um, I love their bedding. They have the most comfortable comforter that I've ever had in my life. I have some Quince pillowcases on my pillows right now that are amazing. Um, I bought some of their art to go in my house because I was working on a gallery wall forever. I have a Quince fur, like a faux fur throw on my couch that all my guests that come over are obsessed with. Like, it looks like my apartment, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is sponsored by Quince. And we love that. Get affordable luxury with Quince. Go to quince.com slash blinds for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash blinds to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash blinds. This episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp. For me, the end of the year is tough. Holidays can be hard. You know, the sun goes down really early. We don't get as much sunlight. We don't get as much fresh air. There is just a lot that happens during the dark, cold winter months. This time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it, but adding something new to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change, something to look forward to and to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. For me, I think therapy is really important. I just signed back up and I recommend everyone do it. It helps you learn coping skills. For me, I can react or I can also push things down to the ground, to the ground, to the ground until it builds up and I just explode. So I really want to become the best version of myself. I'm starting my New Year's resolution early by doing that. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com blinds today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash blinds. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with internet's best converting checkouts. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% off all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash blinds, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash blinds now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash blinds. Now, should we get into this goddamn book? Okay. So we have both finished the book. What was your, I guess, sort of overall general thought of the book, like when you were actually done with it? Reading her talking about her conservatorship years was extremely like I was in tears. Hearing her talking about how like she knew she had to live to be with her kids, no matter how hard it was, that really stuck with me and how she couldn't even act upset because if she acted upset, she would be put right on like lithium or just sent back to a quote unquote rehab. Another thing that really stuck out to me was she was drinking with her mom at 13. I feel like that hasn't really been, I no, I haven't listened to a bunch of podcasts about it or anything, but especially in the media, that hasn't been talked about. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that her 19 year old boyfriend lived with them when he, she was 14 or 15. There's a lot more than just the headlines. And it sucks that the headlines are like Christina, Justin, Kevin. When I re- I listened to the book, I didn't read it. But hearing Michelle Williams read Britney's words about the conservatorship and just like having to act so perfect all the time was so heart-wrenching. Yeah, it really set up this idea of like her her whole life being told to lie about who she is, to be a good girl, to be polite, to be kind, to be nice, to say yes sir, no sir, and like, you know, all those things. But then at the same time, to be this like like sexual idea of like being a Lolita and all these things that she maybe didn't even understand, but was just told that like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And like doing all of it with a smile and politely. And, you know, even when she talks about like, and I, it's it's so shocking to me that people, like people will message me and be like, well, I don't know if this book is real or if she really had anything to do with it because why is she not doing press? And I'm like, at this particular point, if you don't, if you yourself cannot wrap your head around why this girl isn't doing press, you might want to just start back over at page one of the book because you clearly don't fucking get it. And if that's how you're gauging her involvement in telling this story, then you're just a fucking idiot. Like, why would she want to do press? She's just written about all the times that she's been, you know, like, you gotcha 
by people like Matt Lauer and, and Diane Sawyer. She talks about Diane Sawyer being a turning point in her life. And had she been given the opportunity to probably do less press during the conservatorship years, I think that we would have seen that. And I think there's a reason that when you look at the press that she did during the conservatorship, she's either drugged out of her mind or she's just unable to talk about anything worthwhile. Like they're asking her, what's your favorite Jolly Rancher flavor? Do you watch TV? And even those simple things she doesn't do because she's not allowed to. Right. I don't think the world is owed a Britney Spears interview at this point. I think that she tried for years to explain her thoughts to us, to explain how she feels. When she would, we would make fun of her, call her fat, make fun of her for gaining weight during being pregnant. Like she literally couldn't win. And I think at this point, she's just like, read my book. And and you know what I mean? And that's it. Yeah, I have a question for you. I always thought Jason Tarwick ended up being bad, like a bad guy, but she didn't really say anything bad about him. It seems like she actually really respected him and was in love with him. Yeah, so I think that people want, because he's a piece of shit, you know, because he's like a Trump support and root. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Like, he's like deeply, deeply, deeply like Trump. Like, he's, he's definitely a villain, but I think that it is confusing for people that she doesn't villainize him the way that the public does. Um, Because we all hate him. You know (laughs) what I mean? But I also think that he... I've always said that I think he's a necessary evil because he knows a lot about her. He has spent a lot of time with her, especially during times that people want more information about. And he has been able to confirm that like during the conservatorship, she was like sneaking and talking to him. So I think that people want her to hate him more than she actually does. But I, I do love that she like made it clear in the book that she was like, she's like, I wasn't in love with him and I didn't want to be with him. It was just like a fun thing that friends do. Whereas let him tell it. He's like, I was, you know, I was the man in her life and like she wanted to run off with me and all those things. I love that she was like, no, no, I just wanted to do something rebellious and it wasn't a big deal to me. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the marriage. Oh, I'm talking about isn't his name Jason Tarwick? Oh my God. I'm sorry. I thought you said, I thought you said Jason Trawick. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's who I did say. Isn't that, or is he bad too? Jason. Oh my God. Oh, I got Trawick. Sorry. That was no, that was me. That was me. Okay. Jason Trawick is the guy's name who was there later. Not so you weren't talking about the hillbilly. No, no, no. I wasn't talking about Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. That was my fault. I'm so sorry to everyone. No, you're fine. I was talking about Jason Trawick. Sorry. I said his last name wrong. But I was actually at one of the X Factor recordings that Britney was there and like judging and stuff. And I remember like seeing him come up all the time and checking in and checking in. And I felt like that was weird. And I thought Mm. he was one of her like handlers, quote unquote. So reading or listening to the book, I was shocked to find out that like she loved him so much and like saw a future with him. It just once he got involved with being a co-conservator I think yeah that's when it broke up but I I thought people didn't like him too well there are people who don't like him and I mean I remember reading reports that he was physically abusive oh but I don't know if that was true um (laughs) yeah I don't I don't know where I fall at the end of the day with Jason Trawick like I think it's weird when any man in her life 
agreed to be on the conservatorship and he was like he was the co-conservator like he at at that point i think he got like the closest to like just being in charge oh wow so i always thought that was weird that he agreed to be the co-conservator which meant that he was agreeing and signing off to these drug screenings and you know the hospitalizations and stuff like he was like there for all of that um i was surprised to hear her talk about him sorry again to everybody i i don't know why i thought you said like why i made him jason alexander in my head you just wanted to yell about jason alexander (laughs) when you were talking about the chum stuff i was like i thought she said he just like moved to the beach and hangs out with people with tattoos now (laughs) yeah 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 i think in another life they probably would have really made had like a future together you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is sad But yeah, I don't know. Overall, I thought it was a really incredible book. I thought it was honest. And, you know, I just obviously there's three sides to every story, right? Brittany's, theirs, and the truth. And I don't know. She was pretty open about a lot of stuff that I just didn't expect. Yeah, it was very, um, I listened to it as well. And I just have to give props to Michelle Williams, who I just think did an absolutely incredible job. I just can't sing her praises enough. Mm-hmm. She brought such an emotional element to the book. And like, the thing I really liked about her reading was that it seemed like she understood the humor as well. Like she really got Britney's jokes and sarcasm. So you could tell like she really got the moments that were supposed to be like serious and make you cry versus the moments that were really sarcastic and dry mm-hmm. like she got it and I think that had somebody read the book who didn't necessarily get her humor like a lot of it would have been lost on people yeah but for sure she's great listen Troy I'm gonna let you have this pot just talk like I know that's what people want to hear is you talk about it and I want to hear you talk about it too well, I will say I felt very validated hearing that her uh, her favorite tour was Dreamer Than a Dream because I've been talking about that tour for years and it's always felt like her favorite to me. It's my personal favorite Britney moment. Um, shocked, though, to hear how much she hated being on the Onyx Hotel tour and her saying, like, it just was too sexual and it didn't feel like me or, like, where I was supposed to be doing at the time. And even though I love that tour, it's also always felt like just so, like, I think about where she was in her life at that time. I'm like, she was going through so much and like, she was so spiritual at the time. Like she was deep into Kabbalah and and then they sent her out on tour and it was like the most overtly sexual, like raunchy, like they basically wanted her to have like a Madonna, like truth or dare, like bedtime stories thing where she's like, it's like not full BDSM the way Madonna did it, but it was like, she was like naked on stage. Like she was dancing around in literal lingerie. Um, it was just really, really, really sexual. And it just felt like she kept trying to figure out ways to just not do it anymore. Like she would get sick or, you know, she hurt her leg. And I think she was excited that she hurt her leg. And you could tell by the pictures of her when her legs fucked up and she's wearing whatever she wants. And she's like, you know, having mind-blowing sex with Kevin and just traveling around Europe, like, she's living. I've never seen somebody so happy to have a broken limb. Um, So that was really surprising to me that she 
felt that way about Onyx and it makes me a little sad because <laughs> I'm like oh but I still really like it you know um and me said that she hated it um uh, I'm trying to think of what else I will say one thing I wish that she had gone more into and you know maybe there will be more books so who knows but I I wish that she had like gone more into detail about her art mm. and I know that this that's not what this book was about and a lot of that stuff has been beat to death and she's been talking about that stuff for years but I would love to hear like her you know just unedited thoughts about like her albums her music her tours like and not just little sprinkles like really get into it I was hoping for a radio station story when she showed up and just played Mona Lisa. I was so hoping for that story to come to light. I think we were all secretly hoping for the original doll chapter of the book, honestly. Or even Uh, when she was talking about like her residency, I wish she talked about how much input she had on like the staging or maybe she didn't. I missed it, but I don't think she talked about how she's the one who like set up the staging and the lighting and she pretty much made that theater into exactly what she wanted her show to look like yeah yeah she talked a lot about um I will say one of the things that I really loved was her explaining her her like loss of like her drive and her passion for her her career because at a certain point it was just like conservatorship music it wasn't really anything to do with her and I love that she went into detail about how like at the beginning of her residency, like she was so bad on stage and she was like wearing wigs and whatever. And I've all, I've talked for years about Britney's hair, like mm-hmm. just the attachment that the public had to her hair and how we, when we were like really stupid and didn't know anything about mental health, we used to always say like, you know, well, she, her hair looks good. And we really thought back in the day that if Britney's hair looked good and if she was swinging it around, it was an extension of her mental health. It meant she was like happy. If she was blonde, had good hair and was swinging it, it meant she was like, in quotes, doing fine. And she knew that. And I love that she talked about how she purposely stopped moving her hair. And it was like the one little rebellious thing she could do on stage because she knew how much people associated her whipping her hair around to her being happy to be there. So she's like, I'm not happy to be here. So I'm going to keep fucking still and I'm not going to move my hair. And I just thought that that was like so profound. Was there anything in the book that made you feel super validated? Was it the hair thing? Was that very validating for you? Or was there like, you know, because you are a Britney historian, you know that, like, you know, her whole career, like the back of your hand, I can only imagine what it was like reading that. Like, I yeah. think like if Backstreet Boys were to write a book like that, like I'd be so in it. Yeah. What, what moment were you just like, holy shit? Honestly, I think it was the hair. Yeah. I think it was her confirming everything that we thought about her hair. And also people have messaged me for years asking like why I thought she shaved her head. And I've always said that, sure, I'm sure that there was like some element of like court stuff and whatever but to me like it was so unapologetically about trying to not be Britney Spears incorporated like Mm -hmm. it's like if all people think of you is that you're pretty and that you have a nice body and your stomach and whatever to the point that when you get pregnant and like are going through a horrific time people are like yeah but your stomach 
Like they literally can't see you as a human being. They're like, why are you fat in the stomach? Are you a carrying child or something? Like, why are you getting fat? (laughs) She's like, oh yeah, pregnant two years actually. Um, But I just, I loved hearing her talk about the reasons that she shaved her head and that it was a fuck you to the public and a fuck you to the media and fuck you to her team. And um, it made me really sad when she talked about what it felt like to be like on the other side of being quote pretty Mm-hmm. that's all she'd ever known and she realized like her mom had nothing wanted nothing to do with her had no purpose for her like wouldn't even look at her because mm-hmm. she wouldn't be anymore and she finally got to like come to come to terms with what they like what people really think of her you know there was a part in the book where she was talking about when she was on lithium and jamie lynn and and her mom were there and Brittany was like, I was just staring at the floor while Jamie Lynn was like, we should do a podcast together. We should do a show. Why don't we do a buddy, buddy comedy? Mm-hmm. Like that imagery really stuck with me. And then when she was talking about AA meetings, cause I know AA meetings are very sacred to the people who go to those. That's their safe place. It's mm-hmm. supposed to like, just it's your space. Right. And the fact that she could only go to one meeting a week, a specific meeting, and she had friends that would come, but they were able to go to more meetings. So she'd be sitting there waiting for someone to walk in or even I thought it was, I don't know if cool is the right word, but how she was in the rehab center talking to people who were also there and none of it ever got leaked. No one from AA and no one from that rehab ever sold a story that I can remember at least. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was really like, it showed that she at least had some people in her life that she could trust. And that's really cool that she found it in these programs that work for people like you and I, right? Like we could end up there. And at least like if Britney Spears can feel safe there, we should be able to, too. 1000%. And the fact that she was just like making the most of that situation, like that was her trying to just make the most of having to be forced to be there because mm-hmm. she like need to she wasn't even allowed to be drinking tea so obviously she didn't need to be in aa now that leads me to the drug use mm-hmm. um i try and pride myself on being like hinged when it comes to britney yeah like i know what it looks like to be an unhinged britney fan and like i i deal with it in my dms every single day <laughs> Like I try and, you know, be like a little logical. I do not believe Britney's retelling of her drug use. Um, <laughs> I don't believe that Britney was like partying with Paris Hilton and like not doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. Brendan Davis, not doing cocaine, partying with Lindsay Lohan, I'm whispering, not doing cocaine. Like, you know, it's. It's a little far-fetched for me, but I also understand, like, not feeling like you have to give that to the public, because at this point, what what does it benefit people to know that you were, like, doing coke? Um, but I don't believe that Britney was substance-free when she was going out with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think it it's probably one of the best uh, um, memoirs I've, I've read and listened to. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad it's finally her words. Yes. Instead of through the grapevine or through blind items. Like there are a lot of people who I wish would write a book like Britney just did. 
Me too. And I can't believe it finally happened after so many years of her saying that she'll write a good mysterious book one day. We finally got it. And I'm so happy that it broke records. And I think that it it speaks to the power of the machine that is Britney Spears, like, and how tapped, excuse me, how tapped in her fans still are to make the book that successful is like just a testament, you know? It's really cool. And I really hope it leads to more books. I think it's a really amazing way to regain her wealth is to just write these books, you know? And also shout out to whatever nurse showed her the free Britney movement. Oh my God. That nurse may have saved Britney's life. I know. So crazy. She showed her the talk, right? That's what she was talking about. I felt like. I, what I remember, I could have heard it wrong. I was on an airplane. So God knows what I was thinking up there, but I thought that she showed all like the hashtag Britney shirts and free Britney shirts and signs. I think that she showed her because I think or was it a clip on the view yeah I think it was a the clip where like Eve like there was like one day where they all came out wearing free Britney shirts and it was like the very beginning okay 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 so yeah a lot of celebrities had publicly been like free Britney so it was like a big deal that like Eve and people on the show were talking about it um And also, just really quickly before we end this, I will also say one of the most shocking things in the book for me was the way she talked about losing her virginity and the way that she talked about Justin exposing it because she could have been really bitter about that, but she chose to internalize it as something positive that he, she was basically like, it's one less thing that I have to fucking deal with. So now everybody knows that me, a girl in my 20s, has had sex. Yeah, and and I still see everyone on Twitter and TikTok making fun of Justin for grabbing a guitar. And I get it's like the scene in Barbie, but I genuinely think he's like, how else can I comfort her right now? And yeah. I don't want to give Justin a lot of props, but I think in that moment, it was just him being like, it's just us. What do I do? I agree. And you're on the floor screaming and wailing and I don't know what else to do. And we're both like 10 years old. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I'm glad it lived up to your expectations, honestly. Yeah. Well, thank I'm like, you. this wasn't about me. This was about Troy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like very, very, very happy that I enjoyed the book too. Like I, I and I'm, I'm happy with the response. And like I said, I just hope that it leads to a lot more money for her. And also if you haven't listened to the audiobook, if you've only read it, listen to Michelle read it. Like seriously, give like you will, you deserve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, I know it's kind of a shorter pop culture episode this week. We are prepping for our live show. Um, we got a lot of DMs about Dwight Howard, but we don't know enough about it yet to talk about it. But next week, we definitely want to talk more about his whole situation that's going on. Yeah, I don't want to like skim over it. I want right? to. So um, I'm excited to cover that next week. And yeah, I mean, we'll see some of you at the New York show, hopefully some at the Boston show, and hopefully next year we see a lot more of you. (laughs) Oh my God. Our show, we're recording this on Tuesday. Our show is literally tomorrow. And I just, I can't wait to see a bunch of you guys. I can't wait to clink glasses and see you guys wear our merch. Yeah. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.